You're listening to the All The Things Podcast with Natalie and Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Hey. Welcome to All The Things. Oh. Not to you. Oh. You're just <laughs> like, oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> no. So welcome to All The Things. Yes, everyone. Welcome to All The Things. We're so happy that you are joining us. Yes. All, we, all of the listeners. Yes. And we wanted to take a second here to just introduce our episode because yeah. it's a, it's um it's a big one. It is. And because it's a sensitive topic, yeah. We want to make sure to just give a little bit of an introduction to our listeners so that even though we hope everyone will listen, we also know that because it's sensitive and because of people's stories, it may just be a trigger for some. Sure. And I mean, I know that there are people who listen with their kids, listen with, and it, it might be a situation where you just, you don't want to do that. Yep. So, so today we're going to be talking with Kristen Naylor, a yes. friend of yours, actually. Yeah. And she's going to be sharing her story with us. Yes. Her loss of her daughter, Abby. Yes. But then also she's going to be sharing with us about the process of grief, the kind of implications of care in terms of her friendships and circle of community and how she's honoring her life. Yeah. And it's actually, to me, it's it's such an important conversation to have. Stillbirth is one of those things that people don't talk about. And it's a story that needs to be told. And we're so thankful that Kristen came to do that with us. Absolutely. So be sure to listen in with Kristen and Erin and I as we have the conversation about her story. Yes. Welcome back to All the Things with Natalie and Erin, and we are so excited for our special guest to be here. She's a very special guest to me. I have and known- to me. It's okay. not, I mean. I've known Kristen basically all my life. I don't feel like you need to throw that out. Okay. Well. Make me feel left out here. <laughs> I like her like I've known her for 25 years. Exactly. And I knew you would. Okay. You guys. Well, it's true. It's happening. Here's why I knew you would, because you both are the best whistlers I know. Yeah. So this is kind of a... Um, a mystery to me because after you and I spent a week together mm-hmm. nonstop, yeah, and after we spent many many years of friendship together, I never knew that you didn't know how to whistle. No, it's really sad. And I felt like you were just joking with me when I said, "Hey, whistle," and you're like, "I can't." No. So you know, we'll see how things go, but maybe we'll do a whistle off or some sort of whistle duet. That could work. Yeah, I would love not. a duet. I, like I feel like we're stronger together we for can sure. Do it. Yeah. We yes. can do it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to introduce my friend Kristen. Kristen Naylor, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. Okay. Thanks so, for having me. Yes. So Kristen, um, it feels a little weird to have you here because it's like we don't normally talk to each other with mics in front of our faces. <laughs> okay. Yes. True story. <laughs> yes. I think we've never done it before. This is a first. This is a first. So um, we wanted to have Kristen here because she has lived um, an amazing life. Actually, I would love to have you back for a lot of different things. But this last year has been quite a big change for Kristen and her family. And we just wanted to um, share your story because I feel like you have some really um, great insights into what it looks like to be a grieving parent. Mm. And so um, this is a sensitive topic and it's a heavy topic, but it's one that needs to be addressed. Um, When you lose a baby, 
it feels like people don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to have the space for that. Um, Kristen um, is being so generous with us to open up her heart and her life. And um, there might be some tears and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So Kristen, why don't you tell us about one of the most beautiful baby girls I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. Abby. She is one of the most beautiful girls. Mm -hmm. Well, the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, Sure. So um, I have three. Abby is my third child, my only girl. So I have two boys. Um, And when we found out that I was pregnant with Abby, we um, we were looking at three kids under three and a half. (laughs) So I was in complete panic mode. Um, But once we found out that she was a girl, we were super excited. Mm -hmm. And it just became so different for us and all the things that you imagine doing with your girl and the dynamic of our family, different, you know, we, we kind of saw ourselves as the boy family Mm -hmm. and that was totally 100% fine with us, but the addition of a girl just changes, you know, the dynamic of your family. And so generally I had a pretty smooth pregnancy and, um, I, I did have polyhydramnios excess amniotic fluid, which I also had with my second. Um, and so that was, um, one, one of the reasons I was, um, they just had to keep a close eye on that. Right. I also um, had preeclampsia with my first, so that, and I turned 40 while I was pregnant with Abby. Okay. So I was high risk, and towards the end of my pregnancy, I was in for ultrasounds and on stress tests every week. And um, so it, it generally, yeah, but it was pretty smooth pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so um, July is basically a, a minefield of mm. <laughs> all the dates that we walked through July. I was due on July 20th and on July 6th, I took my blood pressure at home and it I had a super high blood pressure and the nurse said, come into the hospital. And of course, while I was there, my blood pressure never spiked. Mm-hmm. Um, they monitored us both for hours and they sent us home. Everything was fine. Um, and I really hate that part of our story because um, she could have been born that day. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at July 6th like a day that could, should have, could have been her birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, July, th- that was that. was that. My mom came into town. You know, we were, I was 38 weeks on July 6th. So um, one week later, on when I was 39 weeks, I was in at my OB for my last appointment. It was check I had a c-section scheduled four days later it was like a routine check routine wasn't another like yeah five minutes you know blood pressure weight heartbeat that's it um and so I was in with a doctor I hadn't seen for a while making small talk the medical student came over to find her heartbeat and she couldn't find her heartbeat which they always find right away but you know it was just a medical student which I was telling myself in my head so I let her you know do her thing and he, you know, the doctor's like, well, look over there, Ch- change it around. You know, he's getting like trying to keep it peaceful in the room. And then he comes over and takes, takes over and he's like looking and looking and looking like it felt like forever. And so, um, he, he basically is just like, um, I'm going to stop torturing you. Let's go around the corner and, um, do the ultrasound. And it just in my head, you know. I'm trying not to go there in my head because like this doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> we live in a culture that, that like believes that this doesn't happen. And so mm-hmm. we went in the ultrasound room and I'm just laying on the table and all these people are in there and he had to flip on the machine and it just took forever and have my hands over my face because I 
didn't want to see all their faces is like mm-hmm. staring above mm-hmm. me and finally he just said I'm so sorry so after that I had to call Dan, Dan wasn't with me my husband and um why would he be? It was a five right. minute appointment, you right. know? So we, yeah. I, I wanted to drive there and tell him like myself face to face and not on the phone. Right. And I like literally for five minutes and like pacing around the room, like picking up the phone and putting it back down. And like, yeah. I just, I didn't even know what to say. It was like the nurse should call. No, she shouldn't call. I should call. And right. Yeah. Whatever. You don't want to be that person, but you also need to be that person. Yeah. And it's yeah. better just to tell him there's yeah. no good way or whatever. So yeah, did they suggest to you to not tell him and just tell him to come to the doctor's office, or did they just? Did no, they I don't remember that. I think they all just were letting me do whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt mean, right. I don't know. Like, yeah, uh, what a hard thing. You're just receiving the most heartbreaking news that you can imagine, and then the one that you love the most, your husband. You have to deliver that news to him. I just can't imagine the depth of that. Yeah, grief. it's like that. That moment is always there's a big black bold line in. Mm-hmm in my life at that moment. And he was still living in the other world Yeah, until I had to tell him Mm. that news, you know, and that was breaking my heart. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but so I called him and told him and I heard his world fall apart Mm -hmm. as he's like running through the office to get somebody to drive him to the hospital. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, we got to the hospital, we, um, we had a few hours to um, prepare before she was born, and um, our families came, our pastor came, um, I don't know, a, some social work, other medical people came in yeah. to the room, and um, one of the things that will always stick out to me was the social worker that came into our room to try to, I don't know, answer questions or whatever, be there. She literally asked us like 10 times in a row, like, do you have any questions? And we're just looking at her like, uh, no, I don't even know what to say to you. And, um, so she said, like, I I think she was just feeling awkward or Mm -hmm. she was, I don't, I can't understand, but she said, well, one of the things I just wanted to tell you was I didn't want you to be surprised at the amount of ashes that you'll get back. What? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, Abby didn't have a name. She wasn't born. She, we didn't tell her we were going to cremate her or anything like yeah. that. And I just was like, I guess this is just like how people talk to you when you lose a baby. Like, just so matter of fact, I didn't realize like how, how inappropriate it was. Right. If that's how it, I've, that's how it felt, but it just like it wasn't until I had a clear head down the road that I was like, that was completely insane. That yes. that's what yeah. was said to us Absolutely. in that moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um so um Abby was born um at three forty eight on July thirteenth. It was a Friday. And um it was a, we had a, I had two C-sections before, so this was a planned a, a C-section and, um, I, it was all I could do to just get through mm. the surgery. I was like trembling from shock and 
just being cold. And I just decided that I, I couldn't like drown myself in my emotions yeah. as the C-section's happening. And so I knew that she was born. Mm. And I think when she was born, there was still like a piece of me that just like was hoping that they would be so wrong, you know, <laughs> of course. And that, mm-hmm. that she'd be crying. And mm. so it was like, another realization that she was born and she wasn't crying mm-hmm. and there was and, silence and it was hard. Yeah. Um, and I knew, I knew we both knew that we wanted to see her and spend time mm-hmm. with her. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, um, once I finally got to the recovery room, um, Dan said that he wanted me to be the first one to hold mm-hmm. her. And so I, I asked him, well, did you see her? I was nervous to see her. I didn't Mm -hmm. know like what she would look like. And they had told us that beforehand. That was one of the good things. I'm glad that they did tell us that, you know, if you're nervous to see her, you can ask somebody to describe her, like, what does she look like? Or, yeah. And so I asked Dan and he says, she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it made me so excited to see Mm -hmm. her, you know, because it's still my baby. Every parent, like you can't wait to see your baby when, once they're born, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the highlight. I mean, one of the best moments of your lives. And even though she wasn't alive, I was still happy to see Mm -hmm. her and excited to see her. Mm -hmm. And I, so they brought her over and I was just so, I don't know, just that I don't have really words to, I was happy to see her and it it looked like she was just going to cry or move Mm -hmm. or, whatever it was hard to take in like her but also see her like lifeless yeah yeah um and almost recognize her face she looks so much like her older brothers (laughs) yeah like you could see it yeah first picture it's like oh my gosh yeah yeah she's a nailer yeah yeah i know it's like and she looked her own too you know like in her own way Mm -hmm. um so it it just Altogether, we spent about 36 hours with her in the hospital. Um, And that sounds really weird to the outside world, but it is truly like one of the best gifts that we Mm -hmm. had is that we had time to be with her Mm -hmm. and to take her in and all those, all those ways. And I mean, it will never, ever be enough, but, um, you hear stories of long ago, they just swept the babies away and they didn't let these families see them. And, um, I'm thankful that we've yeah. come a long way to be able to, um, to understand and appreciate that it, it does a lot for the families to be able to see, yes. to see their babies and spend time together. And so we had our hospital, we were lucky that we had, uh, it's called a cuddle cot. So yeah. Yeah. it helps preserve the bodies. Um, and it gives, families like us time, more time to spend together. And so we, we held her most of the time, but we also, uh, we would put her down on the cuddle cot and then at the night, um, overnight. So, um, just to preserve her little body. Mm -hmm. Um, and on Saturday, July 14th, like we had all kinds of friends and family like come and meet her and come Mm -hmm. to see her. And it was actually a really, beautiful day and I think we had no idea what that day was going to be like but it sort of felt normal to like sit there in the hospital and have our friends come in and chat and see her and cry and everything it was just a mixture of everything um it meant so much to us to Mm -hmm. see for all of our family to see her and hold her and because 
she's very real to them in yes. a very different way than she is to the outside world who saw me very pregnant and then that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it in a lot of ways it just feels like she's just gone. Like it didn't happen, you know, right. and then and she's gone and then it's like we went home and she wasn't there and it was just like mm-hmm. our life was just like the same, like it like she just continued. Yeah, right. Like she didn't happen, you know? And so that's that was like a real struggle especially early on mm-hmm. so it was beautiful it was like to share her with all those people that got to come see her mm-hmm. um i think in grief a lot of times it would be easy to do either the kind of quick try to get it over with you know speed it up yeah or isolation where it's like but for you guys to have recognized and have had the gift to be able to recognize somehow the importance of being with her and sitting in that pain, but also the gift of being able to celebrate her life yeah. and allow others to share that with you yeah, so that it wasn't that. just your story, but it's theirs too, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I'm going to let you continue. But what I love too, is that you didn't just keep it to yourself, but I do love that you shared your story with others so that they too could see that her life mattered mm. and that, um, babies who are born, stillborn, their lives matter, you know, and should still be acknowledged and named and seen, you know, um, and it's important for grief, but it's important for their worth and their honor, you know, and their legacy. Oh, amen to that. (laughs) I feel like it's such a sacred place for sure that, um, every parent can understand or can't understand even the depth of pain, but also I think it becomes this thing where, um, it's like, I want to share in this, but I want to do it appropriately. But you gave people the freedom to share in it in an appropriate way. And that's, that was a gift even in Mm -hmm. this that you gave to all of them. And I have a feeling that you'll say it was a gift to you that people came and it was, it was something that they, the fact that they came and they knew to share in it was mm-hmm. such a big deal. Yeah. Uh, we were, we're lucky. We have a lot of people that very naturally wanted to come and be there and be part of that mm-hmm. early on. And um, just, we were just reminiscing with some of my husband's family at her first birthday party that um, they were saying like how precious a gift it was that we shared. I mean, we only had a few hours with her and we shared her. And they, they got to hold her, yeah. and, you know, yeah. But with that life, it's, it, it also feels very, um, like appropriate. Look at my beautiful baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't diminish because of her death. It It's even more valuable to do that because it was limited. I think yeah. there's a stigma though uh, an unspoken kind of stigma that we go by, which is if something has failed or if something has died, you know, whether it's a anything in our world, like somehow we stay hush about it yeah. and we kind of bury it below instead of seeing for what the, what it is, like you said, to see her beauty, um, despite that she had passed on and her soul had passed on, like she was still and is still very much a part of this family and recognizing that and let letting people be able to see her face so that it is a burned image of who she is for them to always mm-hmm. be able to recall. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times we try to soften the blow, mm-hmm. you know, 
and sometimes just coming face to face and being able to um, see that even in pain is just is so important you know yeah yeah Hey, so our sponsor today is a special one that I'm so thankful to get to highlight. And it's one that's called Remembering Rowan. Yeah. After listening to Kristen's story, you become aware that um, the loss is, has so many layers. It's not just the loss of the child themselves, but it's all the other things that come as a result of the loss. The things like burial costs and feeling like you need some extra support um, type therapy and those kinds of things. Um, and so what I love about remembering Rowan is that they come alongside of bereaved families and help them, whether they're, they've miscarried or um, dealt with a stillbirth or infant loss by providing different grief support, um, emotional support, some financial support. They put together hope boxes that can be sent to families that have lost a child. And they do this um, because they themselves have experienced the loss of a child Rowan Joy, and they want to come alongside with intentionality with other families. I love that so much. And, you know, maybe you're listening to this and you're, you're feeling like, you know, somebody that has gone through this, or maybe it's even you that has dealt with, you know, a stillbirth or an, or an infant loss. And, um, we just wanted to highlight remembering Rowan because, um, we wanted to, you to know about this uh, amazing resource. You can find them, um, on Facebook at remembering Rowan joy or at remembering Rowan.com. And, um, we hope you just take a second to look at them and see what they can provide in the resources. But also, uh, maybe this is something that you feel called to give to, um, to be able to help, um, grieving families. And, um, this is a great organization that we would love to support and, um, and point you to. Um, so you took this time <clears throat> and how did it become something where um, you allowed even the public eye really to become a part of getting a glimpse of your story? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Uh, so because she was born on July 13th um, and she was due to be born on July 17th, we felt like we had to get the news out that she died before everyone started celebrating her birth. Mm-hmm. And we already were getting phone call- My mom called her friend, you know, after she died. And the, the friend answered the phone, is she here? Oh, no. You know, totally yeah. not her fault. Yeah. It's just the timing. And it, yeah. so it's it was devastating. And so we used social media to control the message, to put it out there mm-hmm. and... um we sort of made a choice early on to just to, to be open. I mean, it, we were already pretty exposed. Everybody was rate, rate, like waiting for the news. Right. So it, it just, I often think like if I lost her at 25 weeks or 13 or what, like, would I, would it look different for sure. us, you know? Um, but we saw that it was a really, it was good for us and it was good for a lot of other people in our life that we, we're open and mm-hmm. it was a choice that we made early on, but we just have continued to make that choice for so many reasons. Um, one of the biggest ones is that, you know, like we share our story and then it's, 
amazing. Like how many people, you know, mm-hmm. I had a miscarriage. I had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. My aunt had a stillbirth. My mom had a stillbirth. My right. lo- my, you know, my sister lost a 38 week. And you're like, right. what, what, right. what, what? I had no idea about any of them. Mm-hmm. Like at her, at her funeral, we had people coming up and say, I lost a baby 47 years ago. Mm-hmm. And like, no one knows, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh my goodness, like these people are suffering in the darkness. Yes. Like they have all this pain that I have and they have nowhere to 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 bring it. Right. Like they are they've chosen to just keep it to themselves in the dark and I can't imagine trying mm. to walk this this road alone like high, with this, this secret, you know? And like I just it blows my mind that that's where we're at in our culture that yeah. that's the way we live and that's the way we are like it is so common and it is nothing to be ashamed of. Right. I think so our first pregnancy I had miscarried and again like you said there are no it's not a common conversation and so because of that you feel alone, you mm-hmm. feel like somehow you failed your yes. family, you yes. failed your baby. Yes. It is humiliating, it feels shameful and then you have to go back and tell everyone who you just made this big announcement <laughs> to that that you know and then you have foolish people that say your baby's going to make it or some crazy right. thing, you know, which we can talk about those <laughs> things too, which oh, I know boy. you had plenty oh, of. Um, but through that, people come up through the woodwork and share their story. Yeah. And like you said, it's sad that it was hidden. I'm so thankful though for those willing to kind of step out and say, that's my story too. And mm-hmm. let me come alongside of you. Yeah. Like that's beautiful. So I'm thankful that you're taking a proactive step to say, let me share my pain for you to, to mm-hmm. see and read about and know mm-hmm. and understand that there's, you know, help and support in, in the midst of your journey as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, and like you said, Natalie, I think it gives freedom to other people who have felt like if you say something, it's like too much for people. Yeah. Like, uh, I'd rather just talk about the weather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. I'm sure you've gotten that. And so, so the feeling of, <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> I wish that the listeners could see, see my face. face right now. Cause it was so confirming of like uh, those people. I know. <laughs> and I, you know, and I think that all it takes to make somebody feel like they can't share their feelings is being told that their feelings are too much. Sure. And it's really, yeah. really sad yeah. because then they feel like not, not only well, what's wrong, am I not grieving well enough? Am I, am I doing something wrong alongside this? I guess I just need to be quiet about it. It's mm-hmm. just really sad because it's almost torture upon torture. Yeah. I think that was like the next, I mean, the loss as if it's not, the, it's the biggest thing that, you know, that you can imagine, but it's like we were dealing with the loss and then all of a sudden you're confronted with this culture that doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there we are in our deepest grief having to, I mean, try to respond graciously to people who are not trying to be hurtful and not trying to compound our pain or whatever. But like the things that they say, like how I I just, I can't even fathom like people think I, I don't have the perfect thing to say like why you think that you're gonna find some perfect words to say to make my baby dying okay right right you think like you're trying to tell me to be strong like you right. you want me to be strong when my baby has just died like wh- what right. yeah 
I don't even, I can't even get there in my head. Like how, like that is it. That's like 101, like what we do when people have grief in their life. And like, I don't get it and it's not okay. It's true. We try to fix it really quick. Really quick. But I I saw a few of the things that you said that people said was, um, at least you have your boys. At least. At least you have your boys or God needed another angel. If I have to hear that phrase one more time. Oh, geez. I mean, God's desire was never for death. So I'm pretty sure he wasn't looking down saying, I needed Abby to be an angel. More than you, Kristen. Especially like he needed... He needed her to become an angel four days before she was supposed to be born. Like, that's just cruel. Right. And we don't believe that. I mean... No. And so, yeah, like you said, it's better if people just don't share those kinds of things. You're not going to fix it. There is no magic. Yeah. But I think... I think we have to make sure in this conversation that something that I think Kristen does such a good job of is... I think we have to make sure because I hear what you guys are saying and I can see how people would go, well, then it's just easier not to say anything mm-hmm. and I'm just not going to say it. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. So I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm not going to, and that's just as hurtful. Yeah. And so there's this balance me- medium <laughs> line here. Basically of, you're trying to know what to say. Is that what you're asking Erin? Well, no, I mean, and I know I've messed up in talking yeah. with Kristen in the past and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just mm-hmm. trying, but I, I, here's what I've learned from Kristen. And yeah. I, I think, I think, one of the things that and we just had this conversation today, I think that if you have somebody that passes on, if you think that coming up to, like if I thought that coming up to Kristen and saying the name Abby somehow was going to like set her off, mm-hmm. then I'm making myself really, really big. And the enormity of the loss that she has really, really small in mm-hmm. comparison, right? Because yeah. it's yep. not as if the name Abby isn't written all over your heart, all mm-hmm. over your mind, all day long. Every day. Every day. And so when I come up to you and I say, I just, you know, I wanted to share my condolences with you about Abby, that actually is in some ways healing to you, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. can you go into that? Speaking your name. It's, yeah. I mean, her name, when people say her name to me, it's like a beautiful song, mm-hmm. you know? And people don't see her and we don't talk about her regularly. So I think there's, that's just one of the many misconceptions I think our culture has about grief is like, oh, I'm so sorry I upset you by talking about Abby. You know, I'm like, no, I'm already sad. Right. <laughs> Thank you for bringing her up so I can tell you about her. Right. She's my baby. Like, right. I want to tell you about her and, yeah. you know, I want to... I want you to remember her and it's a gift that you want to remember her too, you know? So, and I love that. And that, that's not just about, um, losing an infant. I think that that applies to anybody who's Mm -hmm. lost anyone. Yeah. You know, you want to talk about your mom, you want to talk about, and, and, you know, I I would think maybe seeing, testing the waters on that. Sure. And everyone's different. different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, what a tribute we can do to talk about, her yes um to, to because it it keeps the memory of her and the understanding that we know that you're in a place of grief about her yeah l- alive and, yeah. and well yeah yeah i think about you know in the in the olden days or whatever people wore their bereavement yes. cloaks or right. whatever um i'm like wow that's like it it I, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had done that over the past year, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not acceptable today, but it's an outward sign to let everybody else know that I'm in grief. Right. And, like, please handle me gently or whatever. Mm-hmm. I totally uh, understand yes. why 
they did that. Yeah, there's some good practices, even in other yeah, cultures. It's they true, right? acknowledge death with much more of a don't rush this. Yes. Type mentality. And we are all about rushing things. And then we wonder why we have such a complicated grief yes. that lingers and is never. It's not that it can be managed and it's not going to go away, but it's so unhealthy. We don't even know how to cope, you know? Right. Um, And oftentimes because we're trying to make it go away so quick. And I just, like you said, I appreciate that you are inviting people to speak her, speak Abby's name, Mm -hmm. to continue to acknowledge that um, her, um, that she's alive, her legacy is alive and, um, and just being allowed to have that conversation with you. Mm -hmm. And I think, Kind of what you said, Aaron. People are going to say dumb things. Yeah. I think if you know them, even if it stings, a lot of times the grace comes by knowing the motivation yeah. in their heart. Yeah. There are some that that's not the case, but there are some that sure. really are trying, and you and you see that. <laughs> and, uh, I just, and I just realized that the times that I've gone through that are really stressful, I'll like start wearing lipstick, put on really dark nail polish. And I'm realizing that's my, like I'm having an epiphany where I'm like, that's my grief grief cloak. Oh, wow. <laughs> like if I'm wearing really dark nail polish, if I'm that's wearing it. black, it's I'm a modern, it's a modern day will treat you it's gently. A- <laughs> okay. We got it girl. Okay. Ladies, if you need to be treated gently, just go out and paint your nails black. We will see you. I mean, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm yeah. just realizing that's oh, what it is. A, yeah. In all seriousness, no, that, that, that's what, it, that, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We had such a great conversation with Kristen, just um, hearing her story. And we're going to come back for part two, where she's going to share even more about ways that we can come alongside of families and moms um, in the midst of sometimes loss or just infertility or just um, a desire to be pregnant who aren't. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and we thought no better time to just dive into this conversation with Kristen and allow for her to have the time to talk about Abby, to share her experience and, you know, hopefully just educate us on ways that we can come around families that are dealing with this deep grief. So make sure to come back for part two of Abby Always. Thanks again for listening to the All The Things podcast with Natalie and Aaron. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at podcast underscore all the things.